welcome to Care So Much this week with Octavia Fangirl Activate about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The phase that started to get more diverse and then all of a sudden like, oh, you know, the MCU was going downhill. This phase that's really leaning into the diversity and the one that's getting all these comments. The conversation that Brie Larson and I started go with Captain Marvel. Reviewers need to be more diverse because those are the audiences that are being represented. They should also be reviewing these movies right on the nose of the conversation that we're having now. Black Panther and I think about Eternals. It's not as bad as everybody makes it out mm -hmm. to be. Like you would think it's the worst movie ever. And like that, that movie is diverse cast. It's just there and it's not, it's not trying to be in your face or anything, but it's just there. Hello and welcome. I'm so, so excited about today's guest, Octavia. She is known as Fangirl Activated. Um, she is a pop culture fangirl and black nerd advocate, which I think is just such a fantastic bio. So Octavia, would you be able to tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that we're chatting about today? So we're talking about Marvel today, and I love the MCU Yay. so much. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. I could literally chat your ear off. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's why we're here. I'm I'm so excited to get my ear chatted off about something that I also care a lot about, particularly with everything going on recently. There's so much to talk about. For people who maybe aren't super familiar with the MCU, what does that mean for someone who stumbled into this podcast not knowing? Well, it's so crazy. I feel like to talk about the MCU, you kind of have to introduce the comics because that's what they're based off of. Marvel Comics was made originally in like the 40s with Captain America and those types of comics. And then years later, 2008, the MCU came together because Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios was created and they made the first Iron Man movie. It started from there. Um, so... The MCU, as you mentioned, it started with Iron Man, but what are some of the like bigger zoom out? We're going to talk about kind of what the current state of the MCU is, but those zoom out like big picture chunks of the MCU that kind of evolved from that first Iron Man movie. You mean like the phases? Like That's that. kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, that they've uh, kind of broken it out into these different phases yeah. and, and where they started and, and what they look like now. It's actually kind of crazy with the phases because they weren't really originally planned like that. It was more of like, oh, we made a great Iron Man movie. Okay, let's make a Hulk movie. Okay, Iron Man 2. And then like as it sort of evolved, they realized that maybe we could do like a little more connecting and bigger things with it. And I think it wasn't until the first Avengers movies that they started calling it phases, I think, or like mm -hmm. after that is when it was actually officially called phases. And then like even thinking grander, we didn't get the title of like the Infinity Saga, which is phases one through three, right around the time that Infinity War was coming out that they actually <laughs> called it the Infinity Saga. So like, I know Marvel has this claim that like everything is connected, but sometimes it's a very fluid process and they kind of just evolve it over time. And I think that's such an interesting part of the MCU is seeing those different ways that it evolves. Cause so often with, different pop culture things they just have this moment and then we move on and with marvel if you think about that that's 14 years that this franchise has been just knocking out like hit after hit after hit and that doesn't happen mm -hmm. people keep saying right. like this is going to be the end of the mcu and they say that with sort of right. like they've <laughs> said it with everything <laughs> mm -hmm. i feel like i'm always grading things on a scale of like well relative to other marvel movies it's a b plus but relative to like 
any other superhero movies that I've enjoyed in the prior to this. It's like an A plus plus plus. Do you feel yeah. like that's true? Yeah, I definitely think the MCU, you kind of have to look at the movies within the MCU because when you try mm-hmm. to compare it to other things, it just doesn't work. Like, honestly, I have an even harder time. Like, people will rank their like favorite Marvel movies and I've like since it's so many I just have stopped trying to because it's just so hard to compete with them like trying to rank them from like one to 30 and I'm just like that's impossible (laughs) okay well that's gonna make my next question pretty tough because I was gonna ask you what some of your favorites so you don't have to rank them you don't have to pick a favorite child um but like (laughs) do you have even like maybe a favorite phase or like how do you feel about the different phases and some of your your favorite movies within that and why? I definitely do have favorites. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a Cap girl, so I do really love Captain America yes. and just like everything with Cap. And it mainly is because of Chris Evans, but it's also just I love Cap just in general. And like now that Anthony Mackie is Cap too, so I just absolutely love both of them. So I think Winter Soldier is always like a fan favorite staple. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Winter Soldier. I love Winter Soldier too. The, a lot of the newer, honestly, I will say Phase 4 is probably my favorite of the phases, not gonna lie, just because it's brought in so much like needed diversity and just such a fun time. Like mm-hmm. Shang-Chi is one of my favorite Phase 4 movies. I absolutely love that one. Mm-hmm. And then like of the shows, Moon Knight was a good one because I just, I love Oscar Isaac and he was amazing acting in that show. Even Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel is just, I'm a big fan of her comic character, so she was done so right. I love that one too. I have not, and I don't think you'll you'll judge me for this, but this is going on the internet. Please don't judge me. I haven't read the comics. I'm so sorry, internet. You don't have to. I think people need to know that. Like, you don't have to because honestly, the movies are easier than the comics because the comics is like... 60 years of lines and there's all these different interpretations and runs and you don't know where to start at and it's like I literally took a class on the comics in college because it's complicated it's hard like you don't know where to start at it's so overwhelming and it's just like I you don't have to read the comics because the MCU is not like the comics at all and anyone that tries to says that is like they're wrong they're completely separate (laughs) they're not similar at all Well, okay, we're, we'll come back to Miss Marvel, but I'm now dying to know, what was your sort of like college experience that you took a class on comics and was that something you were really passionate about before? I mean, in general at our school, like there were always classes on everything. Like there's a Harry Potter class, like we were just a very fun campus. So then I remember I was hearing about everybody's like, oh, the Marvel class is being offered this semester. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, a class? And I was like, immediately knew I was going to sign up. I was like, this is made for me. And like the professor, he like, that's his specialization. Like he is an English professor that specializes in like comic studies and stuff. So when I took it, we like went through a bunch of really iconic comic runs. We read Miss Marvel. We read a Daredevil comic. We read the Winter Soldier comic, actually. And like our final project was we had to make our own superhero. Like, but he was so cool because we talked about so much. We talked about Black Panther, too. And I just I love that class so much. One of the things that that you mentioned kind of up top is that phase four is your favorite of phases. And one of the things you reference within that is the needed diversity. Um, and I think especially in hindsight, um, superhero movies and even comic books were are sort of at least seen as the purview of white men. I don't I as a as a woman 
felt that way. I've always loved superhero movies and things like that. And I think nerddom in general is often considered the purview of white men. And you can see that in the first phase, the first Avengers movie, you just look at that first group of Avengers and you can see that. I've been also very thrilled with the increase in diversity. And what do you see as the value of that and the kind of advantages and why it's such a wonderful addition to increase that diversity as the phases go on. Honestly, I think it's the whole idea of like representation. These are very much family movies a lot. So oftentimes Mm -hmm. families are going to see this and being able to have little kids see themselves represented in their heroes, I think is really big deal. I think about even like Avengers Campus and like I imagine like a little kid going there and you get to see all these heroes that you've seen in the movies like in real life and like they're all diverse and they're all different, you know, like they look like all these different people and one of these kids might resonate. Like I think of, there's that viral clip of that one like black kid who went to Avengers Campus mm-hmm. and like went up to Black Panther and I just like that kind of stuff like makes me almost want to shed a tear because it's like that's what we needed, like that kind of stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's also good because Marvel gets it right by also having the same diversity behind the scenes like you think mm-hmm. about Black Panther and it was you know black costume designer a black director and like all of these people behind the scenes as well because I think representation is good but you also have to have it being told I think also mm-hmm. by the same people you're representing and like Miss Marvel's the same way it's like all Pakistani representation and I just think that that's also a great way to go about adding that diversity because you could just add in diversity for diversity's sake but they're making sure that they do it right as well and yeah. I think that that's that puts you a, a league ahead. And I think we could talk about that in depth with Black Panther. Anybody who's looked into Black Panther at all, when you put that care in behind the camera, how many of those details come through? Like the language mm-hmm. choices. Chadwick Boseman specifically talked about when he was, it was Civil War that he was first in, right? Yes. Oh, I should have like brushed up on all my Marvel movies. <laughs> it's okay, I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Because um, I know he talked about they wanted him to have like essentially like a British accent. And he was like, that would be mm-hmm, yeah. fully insane. Right. Do, let's. We're going to talk about Miss Marvel. We're going to talk about a lot of other things, but specifically Black Panther. Well, let's talk about the first one and then we can talk about the most recent the, thing, which yeah. is the new trailer. <laughs> um, so what was kind of your experience of, of seeing Black Panther and as an example of that representation, both in front of and behind the scenes, what, what do you think are some critical pieces that made that representation successful where some other spaces of representation have been less successful oh black panther man i just i smile so much thinking about it i remember like the panel they had like a phase three panel where they announced that chadwick would be in civil war and everything and i was like oh my god does this mean we're gonna get a black panther movie and it's like that was so back then you could even fathom the idea and then like here it comes 2018 and the movie's released and i went with my family to go see it so like my little brother and sister were watching it and i remember on the way home they just kept saying wakanda forever and like all these different phrases that have become so like staples in like the african-american community now it's like mm-hmm. kind of crazy like colonizer nobody was saying that before the movie but now everybody says colonizer mm-hmm. and just like all these other things i think black panther is such a good like community joy it's just like black people existing and being able to do all these different crazy things and i think a lot of times, especially in that era when it came out, people were just like so used to having to see black people in spaces of trauma or dealing mm-hmm. with something. And it's just that movie just encapsulates like so much happiness. And I think like 
that's the beauty of why people love Black Panther so much and why it works because it's just this land that everybody wants to go to Wakanda. Like that's just mm-hmm. like the dream. Like it's just it's I thought it's what's the word for it? Afrofuturism. Like that mm-hmm. whole idea is just. Black Panther captures that so perfectly, just this imagined black space that's untouched by colonialism. Like, that's just like such a crazy idea. And then it works so well. And thinking about like the love and care that's put in these movies, you have so many like iconic people within the black community, like Angela Bassett, like everybody knows Mm -hmm. her and she's playing the mother and like all these different women. Because I think that's another aspect of Black Panther that it's such good for representation is that Mm -hmm. T'Challa is like surrounded by all these black women and I think that in itself is such major leagues because that's stuff that the black community is still dealing with in terms of how black women are Mm -hmm. and I think having Okoye and Shuri and Ikea is just that part got me I absolutely love all the women of Wakanda and speaking about Black Panther 2 I think that's going to be even greater now. Yeah, that's that's such an incredible thing. And I'm I'm so excited to talk to you about this new trailer and all of that stuff. I think um I am a white woman, for those of you who were are gonna be surprised by that. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite things about seeing these rep- pieces of representation is about watching something like Black Panther, and I felt this in the same way with Shang-Chi, as you mentioned, also with Ms. Marvel, is you see the ways that these communities talk to each other when we're not in the room. Because every time, as a white woman, I'm in a room, there's a white woman in the room. Those conversations that can and should be had within a community and not be influenced by whiteness, I get to see and hear those without sort of influencing them. Um, as I should not be influencing those. (laughs) With the original Black Panther movie, I think there's a conversation that my understanding is happens within the Black community, which is kind of what do these different Black identities across the world owe to each other? Because the villain in Black Panther, I feel like is one of the most sympathetic villains we've seen because his he's not wrong. (laughs) Um, But I'm curious as to what sort of that conversation in your mind and what that the sort of the value of this, this untouched space that hasn't been affected by colonization. And then this character who really represents um, African Americans, um, and what that kind of conversation looks like, and what your thoughts on that are. It's interesting, the Killmonger conversation. Oof. The thing about Killmonger is he's very like, black radicalism in a way like, People may obviously make the comparison with like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but I honestly Mm -hmm. think sometimes like Killmonger is even more of an extreme than that because like his like his goal is liberation. Like it's really Mm -hmm. just like liberation, but to an extreme. But I often think too the thing with uh, Killmonger that often gets left out of the conversation is this like complete because it's it's again another foil to t'challa where he kind of has this kind of disregard for black women in his liberation and such like Mm -hmm. he doesn't hesitate to kill his girlfriend in the movie or whoever she was lover whatever you want to call her but (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't hesitant and there's kind of that dynamic of that conversation that often gets left out especially talking in the black community online when it comes to killmonger because there's always the oh Thanos is right Killmonger was right people and it's like sometimes it's like you're missing the point a little bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I get what you're saying like there there are levels that he is sort of on the right way but there's also like dynamics that I think people forget 
It's just a a really interesting conversation. But speaking of another really interesting conversation, (laughs) um, the most recent evolution of, of Black Panther has come out with the new trailer. And hopefully this isn't breaking news for anyone, but um, Chadwick Boseman passed a few years ago and, and he was the titular, titular Black Panther. And he is very much seen and felt in this trailer. And it is, it is clear that he, he will sort of be the heart of this, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what your sort of initial reactions to the trailer were and what your our hopes are for this new movie. That trailer was a probably one of the best Marvel trailers, honestly, because such a gut, like it just gets you mm-hmm. immediately, like the minute the music, I think the music also highly is why the trailer's just so gut-wrenching and like hurts your heart in a way, because you can feel, like you said, you can just feel the spirit of Chadwick in it and you can just feel that like they've said that this movie will be a tribute to him and that they felt him all throughout the making of it and i feel like this trailer just reflects it just as much and there's so many things i am looking forward to this movie but i am most excited to just see how they you know pay tribute to him because we have to acknowledge his loss before we can really move on and i think a lot of people on the internet are so focused on the next part without like realizing that we need to like take a minute Mm -hmm. to like really let this process and grieve first before we can get because you know marvel fans are very much trying to jump to the next gun a lot and it's like Mm -hmm. sometimes like you need to take a minute and just like slow down and like enjoy and process and i feel like this movie is I think also a good reason why it's the last movie of phase four because all of phase four has been this where it's like letting these characters grieve and like mm-hmm. breathe and develop and i think this movie is like encapsulating all of those themes so i'm just really excited to see how they handle all of that lots of times in superhero movies and things like that we'll see and like in a lot of different forms of fantasy and sci-fi you see a lot of like that was really traumatic. Did you go to therapy about that? Like, right, did you yeah. take a minute on that one? It really feels like Phase 4 is, like, the answer to that. Because people mm-hmm. always said that all throughout Phase 3, like, this is kind of, like, Thor's been through a lot. Like, <laughs> or Wanda's been through a lot. And then, like, Phase 4 is, like, the answer to all of that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here are all the repercussions of the entire Infinity Saga, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I think we see that. We see that grief and we see it. What I'm loving about Phase 4 is seeing it from all of these different expressions and experiences of that. Because, like, mm-hmm. we talk about trauma and grief with um, WandaVision, which was incredible and mm-hmm. did a great job of talking about that. We just saw that in Thor Love and Thunder and sort of his experience of that trauma just over and over and over again. You poor little being. Right, right. Um, and then I think seeing that in this incredible trailer that, um, again, I'm very excited to kind of see where they go from that. And particularly that last line. I am queen of the most powerful nation in the world. And my entire family is gone. Have I not given everything? Do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of the, the space that these women hold in this trailer? That was a perfect line to put in the trailer of her. I've lost my entire family, which she has. Because Mm -hmm. my guess, this is like a little theory. My guess is that we might see a little bit of Wakanda like during the blip. So Mm -hmm. when Shuri and like T'Challa would have been gone, basically. 
Yeah. I'm thinking we might see a bl- like a little bit of that because in that case she would have it would have just been her and Okoye like yeah. having to help out with Wakanda because everybody else would have been you know in the blip and that was five years too that's a long time to go without you know I you would assume that your family's like gone mm-hmm. not coming back so I imagine we're gonna see bits of that because so far that's consistent with every phase four project we've gotten like a version of the blip of people mm-hmm. coming back every time. So I imagine they're probably going to do their version of that for um, Black Panther 2. It, it hurts having the real life situation with Chadwick, I think, as well, because we're going to have to actually deal with the character of T'Challa passing away. I'm assuming that that's what they're doing. There's been a lot of multiverse theories, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> the original question was about women. It's going to be interesting because I'm wondering like how they're going to split everything up because you have all these women in Wakanda. So you have Okoye and Nakia and Nchuri and Ramonda because, you know, people are talking about who's in the Black Panther costume at the end. And I remember I saw this one video on TikTok. Somebody was like, well, what if it's Ramonda? Everybody's like overlooking. I'm like, Angela Bassett is, listen, Angela Bassett keeps up with herself. (laughs) She's like athletic. She's got like muscle. So I'm like, you know what? It it could be her. You never know. I'm like, don't write her off. It's going to be interesting to see how they work with all their different dynamics. Because I think they all bring so much to Wakanda, you know, Shuri being over technology. And there's a lot of the Dora Milaje in the trailer. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to see them like kick some butt and like fight because their fight scenes are so awesome every time. Yeah, they're so incredible. I think it was, uh, oh my gosh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I wanted to say Captain America Mm -hmm. and Winter Soldier, but that's not how anything works. I mean, technically (laughs) by the finale, that is correct. (laughs) That fight scene that they had Mm -hmm. was 10 out of 10. There's so many parallels that I see between the way that this community is now sitting on the shoulders of Black women, the reality of the way that society has dropped a lot of um, weight of a community on Black women in real life as well. It's going to be interesting in general having this be like a very Black female-led movie to see the reactions and see how people respond because... I'm already seeing hesitancy. People are kind of dismissing any of them as being in the suit, like as if any of them could be in the suit. Like there's all these theories of multiversal Killmonger and all of this, but I'm like, why can't it not be, you know, Shuri or Nakia? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we automatically dismissing all of these women who have proven themselves to be so loyal and so a part of this nation? So I think it's going to be interesting to see because there, there are so many layers to what they could do when it comes to like mm-hmm. black women. And so that is a good question. I have no idea, honestly, but mm-hmm. I would be excited to see what they do with it. Sort of related to that and what we're talking about here. Um, I know I actually saw from your TikTok and then went and looked up this a little bit just so I have more context that there is and has been for a while. So to be fair, it did start kind of prior to this trailer being released. Um, But there's been some new fervor for this idea of recasting um, Mm T'Challa and what that would specifically mean and why I believe it's particularly black men who are actually leading that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. That's a a conversation right there. (laughs) I think I understand where the sentiment comes from because like T'Challa and they very much view like T'Challa and Black Panther as one of the same. Mm -hmm. And... I don't agree with that, but I understand the sentiment because it's he's such an iconic black male role model. And to lose that on screen does hurt. I, and I understand that pain and that hurt because I went through those same emotions as well, especially mm-hmm. when we lost Chadwick. You know, the Black Panther is still a mantle that can be passed on, in my opinion. I don't think it necessarily always 
has to be T'Challa because it hasn't always been T'Challa. Shuri has been Black Panther in the comics before and he's not the first Black Panther. There's been plenty of Black Panthers in the past, like obviously his father and his father before him and so on and so on. It's like, I understand where the sentiment comes from, but I think it goes back to that thing about like Shuri and Nakia and wanting T'Challa just be recasted. It kind of also negates all these Black women as to say like they Mm -hmm. can't be black panther or they can't be like it has to be a black man and i Mm. I don't agree with that sentiment but i understand where it comes from it's the it's the need to have a black male role model on screen because we often lose our community leaders in real life and so much of that it kind of feels like a little too close to home like oh we've lost another leader Mm -hmm. even fictional and it's like i get where that sentiment comes from it's 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 a hard thing to decide and i think Mm -hmm. in the end marvel went about the right way by deciding to not to recast him had they then decided to recast the actor that they would have picked that would have been such a burden to put on them oh yeah i couldn't imagine that and i think they realized that i could see them in the future giving you know giving it a little bit of a break with us impending multiversal stuff i could see them bringing in a multiversal t'challa sometime in like way Mm -hmm. in the future but giving us a little bit of a time to grieve I think that's a route that they probably if they decide they need a T'Challa that's what they'll probably do I think you put that so well I think that was really really well said and I think has has sort of all of the different sides of this because I think not Mm -hmm. not acknowledging that that's a complex question is wild um there Mm -hmm. there are definitely pros and cons and there's so many layers of so many things within that question one of the things that you referenced and i know you had mentioned as part of your class you actually read some of the black panther comics i know there's a lot of them so i'm not are you have you read all of them i I should ask instead of assuming okay that's (laughs) it's impossible to read all I was like, absolutely impossible. Okay. Okay. So you've read many of these then. I think that's one of the conversations that I actually have heard is the idea that it's doing a disservice to the comic book character. I'm Mm -hmm. curious as to how, A, you think of that and the value of this character in the comics and and how that translates to the MCU about this conversation of does T'Challa need that space? Um, And then also I think there's an opportunity to explore kind of within that idea, like how true do these adaptations of the comics into the MCU need to stay to the comics and the representation within that? Oh, that's a good question because we talked about this in my Marvel class, actually. Oh, cool. We had a whole paper that was based on like adaptation versus the comic where we like compared the two and we talked about like adapt. I think it's like adaptation theory is what it's called when you're adapting something to live action. And I think the the main part that I always, at least for me, when I'm looking for an adaptation is you don't have to be a one-to-one translation, but capturing the heart and the essence, Mm -hmm. that's what you need to get because I... Speaking of Avatar, I have to bring that up, but like the last Airbender movie, that's where it failed at. It missed all the heart and the essence that made that so amazing. I don't want to get started on that, but no, no, no. We, we can spend. We, I'll have you on again when the new movie, when the new live action comes out. I'll have you on again and we'll yes. talk about it. It'll be good. But like that's a good example though, because that just like doesn't have any of the comedy, any of the lightheartedness that makes Avatar so good, and I think. I'm trying to remember, my comic knowledge of Black Panther is very slim. I've read a little bit, but not too much. So from my understanding, they captured the essence of him. Mm Because a lot of 
a lot of Marvel characters in the comics are kind of like a lot more morally gray people in the mm-hmm. comics than they are in the movies. The movies, they're very much kind of like more heroes. They kind of, you know, mess up every so often. But for the most part, they're like really big heroes. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of runs in the comics where people are morally gray. Like, I I think movie T'Challa is kind of like his own different league compared to the comics, which is why in general, I like I like they take certain inspirations but for the most part they're really kind of separate you kind of honestly can't compare them because Marvel very much takes like bare bones or they like pick and choose stuff from the comics that they want to do and then they kind of run with it I think how he is in the comics and how he is in the movies is almost two separate things at this point yeah and I think that's true with with so many different actors and characters Mm -hmm. in the MCU and um and just they have they have their own canon right like we anybody exactly and marvel canon i don't i every time somebody like goes to talk about the comic book canon i'm like i don't understand it's there's so much of it there's almost a hundred years of comic book canon and it's confusing that's why i'm like whenever there's some like the comic purists who are very much like they love the comics and like they want the MCU to be basically a one to one ratio. And it's like, it's not going to be because comics are confusing. Like mm-hmm. you have this person's run and then this person later comes in and messes things up that this person's run did. So now it's like, what is actually canon? And like, don't even get started on the whole, oh, apparently the M- MCU is the 616. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Because uh, to explain, so. The way Marvel does their universes, they designate them by a certain number. But for the longest, the MCU has been Earth 19999. 616 is supposed to be the comics universe. So they're saying that the MCU is 616, but I don't understand how that works because the MCU is obviously not the 616. And the actress who's played Miss Marvel actually talked about this, Amon. Mm-hmm. She's just like, yeah, no, it's Earth 1999 to me. Like, This is amazing. This is my favorite kind of like deep cut nerd debate. Like it's (laughs) so good. It's so like just the level. And I care so much about certain things like that. Like I don't know enough about these different multiverses to care about that. But there's different things where I'm like, well, you can't do that because of this other thing. And that means this. Mm -hmm. And if you take that and you take and then you say this. It's one of those conversations. It's like it's like listening to someone speak in a different language and you're like, I totally believe you. <laughs> no, no, no. I can tell you care a lot and I believe you. Speaking of Miss Marvel, yes. you have read quite a few of those comics, correct? Yeah, I think I've read the first two volumes for her okay, comics. Great. I think we see the the actress. What is her name? I can't remember her name. Did Aman we? Vellani. Okay, Aman Vellani, the amazing actress who plays <laughs> Kamala Khan. <laughs> She plays Kamala Khan, who is the titular Ms. Marvel. I know she was a huge fan, which I, I know you don't mm-hmm. have to be a fan of the thing to play it's the just, character. It's just nice when they are, though. It's so much more fun when they are. It's like Tom mm-hmm. Holland with his um, yeah, love exactly. of Spider-Man. It's the same thing. So let's talk about Ms. Marvel. Let's talk about... I didn't know the character at all, because again, like mm-hmm. not a deep cut comic book person. She's very new to the Marvel like comics first, which is why she's such a big deal, because... She kind of just recently came in and kind of took Marvel by storm. Like, everybody just kind of loved her. I think her and Miles Morales debuted around the same time in the comics universe. So she's actually, like, kind of new. I believe it's, like, 2016, 2015. Like, it's not too far back. It's, like, a lot of people don't know her, but she's been on the rise because she was in the Avengers game that came out, like, a couple years Mm. ago. 
you know, everybody was wondering, of course, like when you have a character that you love, when are they coming into the MCU? And Mm -hmm. then she gets her show announced and it just kind of took off from there. I was excited to see it because I, they've been knocking out of the park with these TV shows. Mm -hmm. Similar to Black Panther, there's those parallels of the um, representation of Pakistani Muslims in front of the camera and behind the camera being in charge of their own story, which is wonderful and lovely and I love so very much. What was your sort of experience of watching it? And do you feel like it captured that feeling of the comics the way you were talking about it? It definitely does. I think one of the best decisions they made was the whole like animation style and like the drawing and stuff and like Mm -hmm. that really infusing that style throughout the entire show was the best decision because it makes it look so unique but it's like that first episode they really hit you like that texting scene that's like through the emojis Mm -hmm. like so clever and it so fits Mm -hmm. Kamala and it's like it really everything that they choose to do in that show really just fits how she is as a character because you know she's a teenage girl at heart Mm -hmm. she's an american teenager at heart and she's also an avengers fangirl and it's like it's so like it's so nice to see like oh what an avengers fangirl would look like in Mm -hmm. the mcu and then you infuse her with her brown culture and like her pakistani culture and it's just seeing all of that work together i think was the beauty of it as well because the music also adds to that because i am a sucker for how they use music and marvel stuff and i love the music in her show is absolutely amazing i think that's probably one of the best things that makes that show just every all of its working parts really work together like there's no there's nothing on the screen that's left behind that doesn't add Mm -hmm. something to her character I think personally it's the best Disney plus show I'm arguably gonna say that now (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the best Disney plus show from Marvel it's so good I think a lot of people did dismiss it um in the beginning because they kind of saw it for kids i saw a lot of people like saying it's a disney channel show which i disagree with that <laughs> no it's not, but... if, you, if you think ms marvel is a disney channel show i mean don't because i don't need to ruin your childhood but don't go rewatch disney channel shows i love them Thank i was you. a disney channel girl i watched mm-hmm. so much Me disney too. channel <laughs> they were not good they were bad they have not aged well they have not aged well and i think this that's what i was anticipating with Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, but this, I think, did an amazing job of balancing. You're totally right in what you said. Kamala feels like a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. The way she acts, the decisions she makes, the people she, when she chooses to go to adults and not go to adults, is very much mm-hmm. this high school coming of age done incredibly well. But the story that within that she's living, she's also not acting like she's, she, it doesn't, she feels like a teenager in this incredible MCU story with all these other incredible characters surrounding her and just an incredible story. Even if there's lots of MCU things where I'm like, don't, if you don't, if you don't know the MCU, don't watch this. Not a lot of them, but I think the TV shows in particular, there's some where it really leans on you knowing the canon. This is just a fantastic TV show. Right. If we're going to talk about, so at this point, we haven't spoiled anything in Ms. Marvel. We are going to. Um, but I think there's right. a lot of like really beautiful Pakistani history that mm-hmm. I've learned about like in a history class. The the way that that history can be brought to life in something like this where they've established these characters you love and then they put them in a situation where this really traumatizing things happens and you care about everybody who's in it and seeing that train mm-hmm. station in particular Right. really mm-hmm. hits you in a way that feels real. Right. Yeah, that's I was going to say a great thing, I think, too. Um, 
Kamala's story and like in her comics her family are very much at the heart of it and I think that's one aspect when you do her that you have to get right is showing you know not her cult like only not only her culture but also how her family ties into it and like her relationship with her mom in the show Mm -hmm. is so amazing and like you just like it's like like her dad with the hulk suit like you just want to just they're just so precious and you can see the love that they have for their daughter and like i love at the end too especially once they know she has powers and just kind of how like they're worried about her but they trust her and it's kind of like that parallel to the beginning where like her they're like they they don't trust her but then Mm -hmm. by the end they do and just the evolution of that and then especially when they go to Karachi you see your grandma mm-hmm. and like the whole story with that what is that actual um the event called oh the partition yeah partition mm-hmm. the whole thing with partition because I saw a lot of people I follow this one group of reactors on YouTube called the mm-hmm. normies and a lot of them are of brown and Pakistani of descent so they loved Miss Marvel and like they were talking about how like partition is not ever really discussed or like shown in Hollywood like mainstream media and it's probably Miss Marvel's probably one of like the first times that it's ever been done Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people have said that it's been handled well and I think that's just amazing to see that because even like you see the little love story of her great her grandparents or her great-grandparents I think and it's Mm -hmm. like that little clip like has that that Indian film industry feel to it and it's like Mm -hmm. you resonate with this couple you've only seen them for like 20 minutes and I'm like I could have watched the whole movie of that (laughs) yeah in any media that I really enjoy I find if it's like I talk about the difference between like a 3D character and a 2D character in the side characters does that person feel like they're just a cardboard cutout that's saying lines that I could push over or does it feel like I believe that that person has a whole life off screen and Mm -hmm. every one of these side characters I'm like you have a whole I can see you're a person (laughs) but uh I also I was very worried in that last episode that they were going to make what was the name of friend guy who has the fancy car Oh my gosh, Karan! Oh god, what's his name? Kamran? Is that it? Kamran, yes, Kamran. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you I, you were got gonna get the it. beginning. We did it together. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was really worried in that last episode they were gonna make him a villain, um, which again I said spoilers, but like spoilers. Um, yeah. I feel like the U.S. <laughs> government should be the villain of this story. It's a running trend in Marvel. They're always coming in messing things up. Which, it's interesting, honestly, because they're specifically the Department of Damage Control, and I'm quite interested to see how that thread goes along with the damage control, because, uh, like, it's kind of an X-Men theory, but it's because, like, since they've made Kamala a mutant, there's this really big thing when the X-Men are introduced that, you know, a lot of the world is terrified of them, they're considered to be, like, an evolution of human beings, so of course comes, you know, um prejudice and all of this with the Mm -hmm. mutants and how that one lady acted there's been a lot of theories with um damage control and that it could be an evolution eventually in the mcu that when the mutants come in and they have to deal with what they deal with similar to what comrade had to deal with that that's how they'll bring in like things like that by them making kamala mutant and kind of that parallel of like what it's like being you know an other in america and being Mm -hmm. prejudiced and coming and like having like oppression and stuff basically Mm -hmm. that that lines is what they're gonna end up doing and i i think that's a potential that they could do that will be interesting thread that will come back later i think in the future and people won't really have noticed it until it actually happens but somebody had that theory on tiktok i saw and i was like oh yeah that that's a good one i like that i actually want to talk about x-men that's um oh yeah i know x-men coming to the mcu i think like 
the Fantastic Four, like it's been talked about so much. Um, did we see now? I know you paid attention. We just finished San Diego Comic Con, or is it yes. done? It's done, right? Yeah, it's done. Oh, okay. It was last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so we saw a lot of what Phase Five is going to be, and also some sneak peeks into Phase Six. Did we see anything about X Men or no? The only thing is that the X-Men animated show from the 90s is getting a revival, and they did talk about that, which a lot of X-Men fans, that's considered like one of the pinnacle X-Men things is that animated show, so they're bringing that back as a revival, and it's like all the same creative team that worked on the um, original 90s show, and they announced like some of the new mutants that are going to be in that show and everything, but I'm curious about that one. I'm I'm wondering to see where Mm -hmm. they're going to be headed with that, because... It's interesting with them really starting with the X-Men 90s show because, like, even in Multiverse of Madness, when, spoiler alert for Multiverse of Madness, but when, like, Professor Xavier shows up, they play the 90s X-Men theme. So they've been using that theme a lot because it's the same mm-hmm. theme that plays when you find out Kamala's a mutant. And I'm just like, are they going to connect the 90s show into the MCU? It's just an idea because it's like... When they use a theme, like I, I'm like a specific motif, like that mm-hmm. specific motif is very iconic. People know that 90s X-Men theme, and I feel like that was done with a purpose. I just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting that that animated show is the one that they're really focusing on first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it is, it's one of those things where I always wonder with those, how much is that an illusion like you're talking about to like, are they mm-hmm. going to bring these things in right. versus playing on the nostalgia like they mm-hmm. they use that old spider-man theme a lot for different things and that's playing yeah. the nostalgia but then also like they i guess they do bring in a lot of the the old references and things like that too if i say we and we've since the fox deal we've had so many cameos too because like professor x showing up in multiverse of madness mm-hmm. and quicksilver and wandavision being the actor from the fox movie so it's mm-hmm. just like and then we know Deadpool will eventually come into the MCU. He's the only Fox character that's actually confirmed to be coming back because nice. you just you can't get you can't not have Ryan Reynolds. Like Ryan Reynolds was born to play that role. Yeah, it would be so impossible at this point to have anyone mm-hmm. else kind of come into that right. because the pressure and also Ryan Reynolds would just I just feel like it would break his little heart and we, he right. doesn't deserve no that. he's fought so it's so crazy with Deadpool because he fought so hard to play that character like he was like it's that whole thing with like the the leaked scene that got mm-hmm. I remember when I remember the day that leaked it was so iconic because like the opening scene it was like the CGI test version of it like leaked online and mm-hmm. like everybody pretty much believes that he leaked it or like somebody in around him leaked it because once that leaked happened it was like everybody wanted Deadpool the mm-hmm. demand was like there it was like crazy he like blew up in terms of like people who weren't familiar with the comics like blew up overnight everybody was a Deadpool fan so like we all knew I was gonna have to get a movie after that so yeah they couldn't take that away from him like at all <laughs> I know um out of curiosity like one of the things that I think Deadpool is such a great example of is how fans and fans level of intensity with the internet is influencing the creation of these things and how it sort of, I think you can see that in the conversation around that we talked about with recasting T'Challa, like fans very clearly feel some level of ownership over this content. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so clear in so many different spaces. People talk about fan service, but there's also the idea of like fans being 
almost not quite, but like almost collaborators of like, here's what we think about this. And here's why you should consider that. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you feel that has influenced the MCU? And how do you feel it should? Ooh, that's a double-edged sword, I think, because it's fun and it's also worrisome at the same time mm-hmm. because you don't want to, like, make content and then just giving in to everything without being creative because I think of, like, the Snyder, like, this is DC, but mm-hmm. the Snyder Justice League, like, while that in spirit is good to have Zack Snyder make his movie, I also think like the Snyder League, the Snyderverse fans, like mm-hmm. were very intense about their campaigning for that movie. And sometimes it almost feels like, should you reward bad behavior, basically, almost because it's like, they were a lot like they still are a lot like that's mm-hmm. the thing like. I also think when you do that, people are never satisfied. They're going to keep asking for more and more if they know you're going to give it to them. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a double-edged sword. And I think Marvel, they do it well so far from what I've seen. For example, like, thinking about Multiverse of Madness, a common fan cast for Reed Richards' Fantastic Four has been John Krasinski mm-hmm. for a, a minute now. He's been a very popular. So I think Marvel, they've been doing fun cameos. So just go ahead and do that. And having him show up as, fan, as Reed Richards mm-hmm. and in multiverse of madness was a cool way to be like oh hey we hear you guys but Mm -hmm. that's not what we're gonna do but we're gonna give you this for like Mm -hmm. a little second and i think that's fun and that's a very good way to go about it because that way you're not like necessarily wholly giving in to every request because like fan theories and like fan castings and stuff are all fun but it shouldn't like dictate whole entire like creative process for marvel yeah. I, out of curiosity, kind of that, that ownership that people feel out of over certain characters, how do you feel that sort of interplays in the difference between like, let's, I'm just going to call a spade a spade, um, a group of like angry white boys who believe that the MCU belongs to them versus that kind of representation conversation that we're having around this is a character that actually is going to be representative of a community. And with things like Ms. Marvel, where that is maybe the only opportunity for that community to have this really solid representation of a story that's mm-hmm. as impactful partition is. And then similarly with um, Black Panther, like how do you feel those conversations are different or similar um, in terms of how much ownership those groups and those fans should have over those characters? That's a very good one that people have been talking about a lot with phase four because it's funny to me that the phase that is starting to get more diverse and inclusive is all of a sudden like the worst debate like a lot of people have been saying oh this Mm -hmm. is the worst phase of marvel and oh you know the mcu was going downhill comments and such which it always happens but i just Mm -hmm. find it interesting that this phase that's really leaning into the diversity and the inclusion is the one that's getting all these comments and it reminds me of the conversation that Brie Larson actually started like a long time ago with Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, where she was talking about how like people who are seeing these movies, she was talking about like reviewers need to be more diverse because like those are the audiences mm-hmm. that are being represented. They should also be reviewing these movies and how much hate she got for that when she literally was like right on the nose of the conversation mm-hmm. that we're having now because now you have Black Panther and I think about Eternals as a good example of this. Eternals is not as bad as everybody makes it out mm-hmm. to be. Like you would think it's the worst movie ever and like to 
the fact that it's the worst rated Marvel movie on Rotten Tomatoes makes me so mad because I'm like worse than Thor the Dark World like are you serious <laughs> like what but it's like I think that movie encapsulates this argument completely because that movie is like a diverse cast and LGBTQ representation it's just very much like it's just there and it's not it's not trying to be in your face or anything but it's just there and it's just existing those people those Eternals are just existing the way they are I think having the conversation about like white male fans I think there's just this disconnect when a character doesn't look like them Mm -hmm. they somehow just can't relate and I find that interesting because it's like black and POC people have had to do that forever like Mm -hmm. white characters they've had to resonate with those characters even if they didn't look like them but now that it's the opposite it the disconnect is there and I find that interesting because like I've like you know you think about phase one and phase two we didn't have that much diversity, but you still had black and brown fans of Marvel mm-hmm. because they still found something that they resonated with these characters. But now that they actually are starting to look like the black and brown fans, you can't resonate with the characters. I just like, I find that yeah. baffling. <laughs> Such a a tough thing to see. And I think we see it anytime um, a traditionally white male role is played by anyone who's not white and male but oh, yeah the race bending basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so That's i think it's one. just it's a really interesting thing to see and i i think the conversations absolutely have been turned up in the criticism and it's not that hard if you dig just a little bit under the surface of those to see the racism and sexism within those arguments um, and that's not to say that every one of these movies have been perfect. I think you and I could probably right. have a conversation about Eternals where we had true criticisms of that. But a right. lot of the criticisms of it are about that. <laughs> right. I, I, I hate I truly hate having arguments with people about there's so many topics where I'm like, listen, I agree with I want to be able to wouldn't it be great if we could just have the same level of, of critical discourse around these pieces of important representation because there was a diversity in the people doing the reviewing. Um, And you could have criticisms that were the same level of these other things instead of the need to be defensive and protective Mm -hmm. of these diverse pieces, partly because that was directed by an Asian woman and that that cast was this really diverse cast. And if you criticize instead of defending this diverse art, then there's a potential that you end up being stuck with. Nobody gets to do that again because you get the one shot. Um, And I think that's why something like Black Panther has to be perfect instead of the ability Mm -hmm. to be imperfect because it's this diversity. That's a great point, too, that there is a higher level of expectation put on the POC projects compared to like other projects. It's like, it, it's like, cause I think about that with the first Black Panther, anybody's, anytime I see any criticism of that movie, it's always the same, the VFX, the special effects and the last fight. It's always that as soon as it's even a level below not decent or not good, like people are just going to say, Oh, write it off. It's completely bad. When it's like, VFX artist that already talked about that scene and said it's not that like it's still pretty good it's just the lighting mm-hmm. but like when I see people who say they don't like Black Panther or that Black Panther's overrated they always cite that scene that last fight scene between Killmonger and T'Challa as mm-hmm. like the VFX was bad and I'm like one when did everybody become VFX artists like <laughs> I'm like I don't even notice these things half the time until people point it out like 
when you're watching in the theater, you don't notice it. Now, when you're at home and, like, you're on a laptop, I can understand, but it's, like, a newer thing I've noticed that VFX is becoming a really big complaint for people. And also, too, this raises up a very good conversation about how um, Marvel VFX artists are not, like, they're very overworked, and mm. it's, like, a newer conversation that's been happening because a lot of the VFX artists have been coming out, talking about it, how working on a Marvel movie is kind of hell. Like, they just hate it (laughs) because there's a lot of demands and Marvel will change things at the last minute. I think that is something that they can improve on. We want quality over quantity. Like, Mm -hmm. if you need more time, take more time. And I think I try not to get on the VFX for that very reason, but it's become like a new thing to using VFX to automatically dismiss stuff. I feel like it's been happening a lot in phase four i think that's we could we could talk about this for another two hours um (laughs) and there's so much more to talk about here um if you're interested in things about the mcu and those conversations or just fangirl stuff in general you gotta follow octavia she's amazing for people who maybe have are listening to this and they have seen a few Marvel things or maybe they haven't really seen Marvel things and they're just curious about how to get in and kind of get their foot in the door um, and maybe are intimidated the same way I am getting into comics. Let's start with the MCU. Um, How would people, how would you recommend at this point people getting into the MCU? Do they need to go back to the very first Iron Man and watch (laughs) from the beginning or is there a door in that they could enjoy first um, maybe in phase four as like a little mm. little trial run for them. Honestly, I wish there was a starting point. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Because every time, because I've had people ask me this and they're like, oh, well, I want to get caught up. And I'm like, you just have to get caught up. <laughs> like, I can't really think of a starting point because if I say WandaVision, you got to watch Age of Ultron and Infinity War. And at that point, mm. you might as well just watch start with Iron Man. So I think really just to cover all your bases, just go release order, start with Iron Man 1. That's you know, amazing. maybe take it a, like two movies a week or one movie a week just to space <laughs> it out. <laughs> like, listen, you, listen, it's going to take you a couple months to get into it. But wow, right? will it be worth it in the end? It will. It will so be <laughs> worth it. But like it's really that is the beauty of Marvel is the journey when you start with Iron Man and then mm-hmm. you go through the whole rest of the movies. It's like I there is a big rise of people watching it in chronological order. I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. I think chronological order is great for a rewatch. But for one, the post credit scenes don't line up. So like. Yeah, I think chronological order, you start with Captain America First Avenger, which is not good because that post credit scene leads to the First Avengers movie. So then the next movie is going to be like Iron Man and you're going to be like, wait, what happened with that? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I wish there was a starting point. Me and my friends talk about this a lot where it's like, if you're a newer fan, I feel really bad because <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't know where to tell you, like, because I can't say start with WandaVision and like yeah it would be wild to start i feel like wandavision would be a wild one to start with um i think the the introduction of new characters like ms marvel those are ones where you can watch that i'm gonna i'm gonna i think you can watch ms marvel without having seen all the other things i think the vast majority of the mcu stuff like my 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 sweet mother i love her so much she um she's not into like nerdy things she's not into this sort of stuff she isn't like superhero things or sci-fi fantasy or like action she doesn't actively dislike it it's just not her jam so she's never gonna watch 
all the MCU movies. Um, but lots of these releases happen at like Christmas and Thanksgiving and my brothers and I are very into them. So we drag her to a lot of them and you can enjoy them. If you don't watch all of them, you can watch each individual one. But yeah, if you're listening to this going, well, first of all, if you listen to this whole thing and you've been thinking to yourself, maybe I should get into the MCU. I've spoiled so much for you. I'm so sorry. We tried. I'll put a little warning. I'm going to put a warning in this saying that we're going to put the, the, the spoilers for anything past a year uh, or within the last year in the description. But I don't think we spoiled too much. We really spoiled Black Panther and Ms. Marvel and then generic big picture MCU things. Right. And maybe you won't uh, remember by the time you've watched the, whatever, 30 movies? That's a high likely A million chance. movies? How many movies is it? Do you know? Black Panther Wakanda Forever will be the 30th. Dang. That's a lot of movies. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, and they're all like two and a half <laughs> hours. And then in game is three hours. So oh, amazing. <laughs> you mentioned a, um, at least one other person who has really cool stuff to say about the MCU. So we'll make sure to get their um, information in the bio here. But if people, and I think this is the most likely situation, they're listening to you and all your cool thoughts. Um, if they want to, to get more of, of your lovely takes on things, where can they find you? posting a lot on tiktok so that's a big one tiktok is a good one it's fangirl activated i just started a youtube channel so that will have probably some marvel related content on it it's kind of um video essay style on there so um that usually goes up on wednesdays it's the same thing fangirl activated mainly youtube and tiktok are the best ways and then i'm on twitter so you can always hit me up on there but i'm more casual on twitter i talk about i kind of just talk about film in general on 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 twitter well we'll make sure to get all of those tagged with with this episode Thank you so much, Octavia, for taking the time to be here. It has been just a joy to get to talk to you about this stuff. Um, I love, as anyone who's listened to this knows, I love talking about the thing that makes someone get so excited that they're like doing the little like shoulder shake thing and they're <laughs> they're they're ready to go give a forty five minute speech on the thing. And if you genuinely, I've I've enjoyed your TikTok so much, and and people should go check out those takes there, um, especially if new MC things come out you've always got some some good takes mm-hmm. I know um, I went and watched some of your videos even just this morning and you've got some great stuff on all of the San Diego comic-con panels so if you're if you're not gonna go sit and watch multiple hours of panels but you want to know what they mean for the MCU those are some great things to check out on Octavia's TikTok YouTube okay. YouTube's a new one though so YouTube's okay. gonna be evolving I think that's, that's gonna be interesting for me <laughs> yeah there's a great little intro video that you have on your YouTube so if anybody's like I want to know more about Octavia and why she's into fan stuff. You've got a really good intro with some Q&A things, and it's really, really lovely there. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're looking for more Care So Much, every week we have a new fantastic guest like Octavia talk about the thing that they're really excited about. So join us again next week to talk about some new exciting topic. And if you're out there and you're excited about something and there's something you could talk about for an hour and you feel like nobody cares, just know that I care. I care so much. 